This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. As Mrs. Pastor said, uh, the really good anointed sermon I had uh, will have to be it for another day if it ever gets preached or not. But as I was in my prayer closet today, just spending my regular time with Jesus, I always do, just having a great time, usually on Sunday mornings when I'm preaching, I have a couple hours with the Lord just my own time, and then a little bit before I come to church, I'll open up the sermon hour and got written out to see what it is. And as I started looking at it, I started writing down some other things. I thought, wow, I better, I better write this down because I want to say this before I get to the sermon. So the more I wrote, the more I realized, man, I can't do both of these. These guys are built at 3 or 4 o'clock this afternoon. So we better go with the one we got for today. But if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, man, I hope every time you come into the church, you have a notebook, you have a pen, you have a pencil, you have a Bible, because you need to always write things down. Of course, now we can see them on the Internet again. But it's really nice while you're sitting here to write things down fresh. But uh, this title I actually got as we were coming to church. Uh, what is Jesus praying today for his church? What is Jesus praying today for his church? How many here are part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're born again, you're part of his church. You know, if you're watching on the Internet, you may be going to the Baptist church, but the Baptists that believe in Jesus are part of his church. You may be going to the Catholic church, but the Catholics believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, they're part of his church. You may be going to Pentecostal, Episcopal, uh, non-denominational, Word of Faith, whatever it is. It doesn't make any difference what the name is over the doors where you walk through, but what counts is do you belong to Jesus? And if you do, the Bible says a lot of things about his church. It says, number one, it says he's the head of the church. Amen. It says he's the Lord of the church. He's coming back for his church. It says his church meets together and praises and worships him. And sits under the teaching of the pastors he sets in the church. Et cetera, et cetera. It says a lot about the church. But Jesus, when you think about it, the church is so important to him, he came and died that went to hell, was raised from the dead, so there would be a church. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, he equates the church, his relationship to the church, as a husband and wife relationship in marriage. And then the book of Revelation says he comes back for his bride, and his bride's the church. And so the church is the number one thing on the mind of Jesus Christ. The church is the number one thing. And Ephesians 5 says that just, just as, just as Christ cherishes the church, a husband should cherish his wife. And so God really places a big value on this. So this morning, uh, turn to John 17. We're going to start off in John 17. We're going to start off in John 17 because this is where the Lord led me this morning. But as I was meditating in prayer, I began to look at this prayer that Jesus prayed for us in John 17. And it really, as I looked at it again, thinking about this service, it really spoke to me about Jesus' heart's desire for born-again Christians in the year 2020. And the Bible talks a lot. Jesus talked about the last days, end times. Uh, The epistles talk about the last days, end times. And if 2,000 years ago... They call it the last days. Then we've got to be in the last of the last days. You know, I hear some, some people sometimes talk about God's eternal clock is 
When I, when I got born again 40 and a half years ago, they said it was one minute till midnight on God's eternal clock. Well, 40 and a half years ago, the smart preachers and already preachers said we was one minute till midnight. What are we now? One second? Man, we're right at that point in time. Things are getting ready to end. And all I can say is if you've been a Christian that's been lukewarm, half in, half out, Sometimes you decide, I'm going to live for God. Then you decide, i got to have a church break. By that, I mean get away from church for a while. i got to have a vacation, get out of this thing for a while. I want to say this. Don't get so far out there that you unhook from Jesus and the trumpet blows and you're still here. Hey, man, I would not want to get so far out, swimming out so far out away from the shoreline, especially if I wasn't a good swimmer, I couldn't make it back if I had to. I want to make sure I don't go back to that sea of sin. I want to stay where Jesus is. I want to stay in church. And you know, I heard somebody say years and years and years ago, I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I just have to believe in Jesus. You're right about that. There's nothing that says you that by going to church you get saved. It says you receive Jesus, you get saved. But you go to church, you get strengthened. Amen. You get under the anointing where God can talk more. You get under that glory cloud where the Spirit of God will deliver you of things you can't get out there by yourself. And so church is critical, top of the list, key thing. You come to church, you receive anointing, you receive answers, you get around fellow believers. I don't know about you, but I don't much watch the news anymore. The Bible's called gospel, it's called good news. And basically what I've noticed for the last season, every time I turn it on, I don't even think they have 1% of good news. I think everything's bad news. I got so strengthened of hearing every time I turned it on. Here's how many people died today. Here's how many we expect to die by August. Here's how many expect to die by, by September. By the end of the year, this many will die. Maybe they'll get a vaccine, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll do this, maybe they won't. Well, I know this. Paul said that every word of the Bible is yea and amen to the glory of God. Amen. Luke one thirty-seven. the angel Gabriel told Mary that with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And so I look at the other side of the coin sometimes. So with God, nothing's impossible. So without God... Nothing's possible. Without God, nothing's possible. And so, I want to look here at this prayer that Jesus prayed. He prayed this for the end times, and we're in times. And I want specifically, I want to look at verse 14 to 23, because I really believe, why not spoke to me this morning when I was looking at it for myself, and then I realized I want to share this with this church, and then it turned into the whole sermon. And so, John 17, verse 14, and this will answer every question that you have about what's going on. I want to say this again. This will answer every question that you have. You've been asking God about what's going on. Every question you've got is answered right here in what Jesus prayed. How many believe that Jesus was the Son of God? How many believe that Jesus was actually God in the flesh? 
And that if Jesus prayed something, as we'll see in this verse here, he prayed it for people that live in 2020. Well, how many believe that Jesus and God are so omnipotent, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wisdom, that they would know exactly what was going to happen on July the 19th in the year 2020, and that Jesus would already have it covered in prayer? How many believe that? Amen. Amen. You know, and I think about some of the things that Jesus told us when he was on earth. Jesus said that your father knows what you have need of. Even before you ask. But because because he said even before you ask, that means you've got to ask. Said he already knows it, but he wants you to ask him for it. Amen. Amen. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And then Jesus said... And I like the way he explained it to me one time. Jesus said, your father knows the number of every hair on your head. And, you know, because people think of that, because people think through natural minds about God, they always water that down and say, well, God knows how many hairs are on your head. God didn't say that. He said he knows the number of every hair. And so, whether you've got a little hair or a lot of hair, when you're brushing your hair, combing your hair, and a hair falls out, I know that what I do sometimes I say, God, what's that number? Is that number 1,282? Is that number 6,000? What's the number on that hair? Just think of all the people that are on this whole earth. God knows every person on this whole earth, and God knows the number of every hair on every person's head on this whole earth. And you know, when I think about that, that takes fear away from me about this earth. That takes fear away. And the only way that fear could get into our lives if we feed more of what the world has to say than what the Bible has to say. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Fear cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of the unsaved world. Amen. You know, we as believers have to know the facts of what's going on around us. We have to know what's going on. But there's difference between letting the facts override the truth of the Word of God or letting the truth take authority over the facts. And if you don't feed enough on God's Word, if you don't hear enough of God's truth, then when fear comes, you won't be able to answer it with faith. Amen. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. As Christians, we can't live in denial of the natural things around us, but we can deny those things the right to overcome us. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so let's look at this right here in John chapter 17, seeing what Jesus is praying today for his church. Say, I'm a part. Wow. That is really, really weak. This is not going to be the new norm. Norma, I'm not talking about you. (laughs) She's the new norm. Get ready to have a new Norma come out of her little belly. Amen. Amen. But say, I am a part of Jesus' church. So when Jesus prays about his church, he's praying about me personally. Amen. Okay, it says, I have given them thy word. 
That's called the Word of God in the Bible. It says, And the world hath hated them, because I gave them my word. The world hates them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I want you to think about that. And we're going to see this more and more the Word of God. When you are a born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus and anointed Jesus, the Holy Spirit that anointed the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all the writers of the Bible, the prophets of the Old Testament, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write living words from God to talk to His people on earth in how to live. In John 8, 44, I might want to write this down. Jesus differentiated between people of the world and people of God. In John 8, 44, Jesus was talking to the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the doctors of the law, who were religious, but they weren't spiritual born-again men because you couldn't be born again yet. But then also they were religious. They weren't really God people. And Jesus said in John 8, 44, You are of your father, the devil. And he said, the will of your father you will do. He said, he's a liar. Jesus said, the devil's a liar. And the father of lies and the truth's not in him. He said that to religious people. Amen. Did you know the difference between religious people and born again people? I like a definition I heard about religion a long time ago. Religion is all about God, but not with God. Did you know that? Most religious people put all kinds of do's and don'ts and laws and regulations that nobody can live up to. But Jesus never put any bondage on anybody. He gave them His Word. He gave them His Spirit. And then He showed them what to do to live it. Hey, man. Jesus sets people free. Religion puts people in bondage. And so Jesus said in John eight forty four. On the one side, people that aren't born again said their spiritual father's the devil. And then, of course, here, he says that when you're born again, your father's God. And so he said right here, I've given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Pastor Dave, while ago, when we did the pledge to the Christian flag first, he said we live in parallel worlds. That's true. We are temporarily, the Bible says, we are temporarily pilgrims on this planet. We're living in an earth suit called a physical body. And everybody that's ever been born, unless the rapture comes first, someday they'll leave their earth suit. And I always see this like astronauts in outer space. Astronauts have to wear a suit to protect them from outer space. They have to wear a mask to breathe through, the big helmet thing, and all they do, they have to wear that. And if they're up in outer space, and something happens to the helmet and the breathing stuff, then they die in outer space because because their suit got messed up. Well, we are a spirit being, we live in a physical body, and we possess a soul. Our spirit is the real us. Our physical body is the suit we live in. And the Bible's real plain about that, and we've all seen it many times, probably in life, when somebody's physical body lays down, and their spirit comes out, and goes to heaven, if they're born again Christians, when you go to a funeral or whatever you see, 
all you're seeing is the earth suit still laying there. The astronaut came out. And they laid down the suit. And so we have to know as Christians that we're in the world right now, but our citizenship is in heaven. That's our destination. That's where we want to go is to heaven. And so he says we're in the world, but not of the world. And so this is a prayer he's talking to the Father right now about us. And then he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keepeth them from the evil. And of course, in the center column, it says the evil means the evil one, the devil, Satan. He says, I'm not praying you take them out, but I pray you'd keep them from evil. How many know, and if you don't know, then you're probably not telling the truth, because this has been going on for months. There is much evil, always has been, much evil right now has been cranked up in our country even. And around the world. But what did Jesus say? He's praying that the Father would keep us protected from what's going on. Hey man, right there, right there, I'm going to show you some things going to help you, really going to help you if you've had fear. But right now, verses like that, I take personally as God speaking to me. And I say things like this all the time. Thank you, Jesus. You already prayed for me, and you and the Father's got me covered. You already prayed, Jesus. I'd be protected from this evil in the world all around me. You prayed that, Lord. And you said you didn't want God to take me out of here before my time. You wanted me to stay. As we see this prayer a little bit, we'll see why he wanted us to stay. But it says that that thou shouldest keep them from evil. And then verse 16, he says, They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. And so we've got to know, we've got to know that we really do navigate two systems at the same time. We're navigating through this world. That's why you need the anointing. That's why you need to stay close to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says so much about the Holy Spirit. It says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It says don't offend the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Listen to the voice of the Spirit. The Bible says so much about those kind of things like that. That's because we are walking through a minefield every day in this world. Every day there's traps, there's snares, there's pitfalls. There's all kinds of things out there every day. But Romans 8.14 says, For men are led by the Spirit of God through the sons of God. We don't want to become spiritually dull where we miss the leadings. We've got to know in our hearts where the Holy Ghost says, slow down, stop, danger, don't go that way. And then when maybe the whole world saying one thing, and the Holy Spirit saying, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Says all these things to us. Is this helping anybody? Amen, amen, amen. I'm telling you right now, as we see this prayer Jesus prayed, you're going to see why he prayed these things. And I can promise you, if you will receive from God this morning, if you've had fear on you about these things out there, you will be totally delivered today. Amen. It's the will of God. It's the will of God. So he said, they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so, verse 17, he says, sanctify them. And my center column says that the Greek says, and if you've got to do 
uh, new, new translation probably says, set them apart. Sanctify them, set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus said, God's word is truth. God's word is truth. God's word is truth. Everything you see in this natural world may be a fact, but God's word's the truth. Amen. I want you to hold your place. Look at John chapter 8. He said, God's word is truth. It says, God's word separates us from the world. I want to say that again. God's word separates us from the world. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something. Remember we started off this passage in verse 14 saying, because of the word they hate us. They hate it when Christians say, I'm not afraid of this thing because Jesus is greater. And then when we're facing calamities in life and we're standing the word of God, I've been told so many times over the years, he's in denial. No, I deny that thing the right to overcome because God's word is the truth. That's a fact. It's a, it may be a fact that I'm facing financial calamity, but the truth is I bring the tithe into the storehouse and God rebukes the devourer for being people call me blessed. And so that will change that natural fact. So John 8, verse 31. John 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. As a pastor, that speaks volumes to me before I get to what he says here. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. You could have a pastor like myself, Pastor Dave, or if you're watching out there and you've got some other pastor that's speaking the truth of the Word of God. But if you don't believe that that pastor is anointed and has something from God for you, then you won't receive what he's got to say. Jesus said he spoke to those Jews which believed on him. How many know that Jesus spoke to a lot of Jews when he's on earth? Who crucified Jesus? The Jews. When Pilate said, this man's blameless. I'm going to wash my hands of him. Said, you people can do what you want to with him. The Jewish leaders are the ones that killed Jesus. Because they didn't believe on him. And so the same thing today. There's a lot of pastors that have anointing from God to help people. And in a congregation like this, it's very possible this morning... That there might be somebody sitting here, they just came here because it's a thing to do, but they don't have a whole lot of confidence in anything I've got to say. And so as I'm speaking, everybody else in here can be receiving from God this morning. Somebody's sitting there saying, oh, that was really good, but I can't wait to get home. I'm going to say the ball game's on. They don't have ball games anymore, do they? <laughs> or they're going to watch last year's World Series or something. But what I'm saying is, listen to this statement, right? This, this is why it's so critical for you to always check your heart before you go to church. Because Jesus said to those ones who believed on him. And so you need to believe in the preacher. And if, if you're going to a church and you don't have confidence in your pastor, you need to pray for God to either cause you to be able to connect with your pastor. Or if you're at the wrong church, God will lead you to a pastor you can connect with. Because when you come to church, several reasons why you come, but one thing, to me, one of the main reasons should be 
Not to just worship Jesus, that's a big one, but to be able to hear from Jesus through the man speaking, or the woman speaking. Amen? Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if, that's their conditional word, if, he's getting ready to tell you something, you've got a choice. Remember I talked a couple weeks ago about uh, choices have consequences? And the choices you make will determine how your life turns out? He says, if you continue in what? My word. What he said in John 17, his word is, it's the truth. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. He said a disciple is a fanatic for the word. A disciple puts the word first place in his decisions of life. A disciple relies on his word for instructions. A disciple looks to his word long before he does Google. And, you know, let me, uh, there's so many things in modern times we've got to realize. How many, I hope you've grown beyond thinking the Facebook's got your answers. The Facebook's not the truth. Dr. Barclay calls it de-Facebook. It defaces. And so, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, he didn't say, if you continue on Google. He didn't say if you continue looking at Facebook. He didn't even say if you continue looking at Fox News. He said, if you continue my word, then you're my disciples indeed. And then he said, and you shall know the what? The truth. And the what? Truth shall make you what? Free. Now listen to this. Based upon John 17, we said thy word is truth. And so we can look at this this way, John uh, 8, 31, 32. If you continue in my, in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the word, and the words you know shall make you free. The word shall make you free. The word shall make you free. God's word is God's truth, and God's truth will make you free. Now back to John 17. Sanctify them, set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The world and too many church people are falling over, falling down with fear of COVID-19 because they don't know the truth. COVID-19 is a very real fact. It's not phony. It's not fake. It's out there. Just like every other sickness and disease, there's always been out there since the fall of man in the garden. They're always out there. It doesn't change the word of God, the things God has to say about sickness and disease. I've said for so many years, in the prayer lines we have in this church, when somebody comes up prayer for healing, when it's a little kid, I've heard this one probably thousands of times the last 40 years, Little kids come up, what do you want prayer for? Pray for my pinky, my pinky hurt. I pray for the little pinky for healing for God. The next one comes up, there'll be somebody, there'll be skin and bones and ate up with cancer. Pastor, pray for me, pray for me. The doctor said, the doctor said, I pray for them in the name of Jesus. The same anointing that heals that pinky is the same anointing that heals cancer. Amen. The same anointing 
that heals you of the flu or cold is the same anointing COVID-19. There's not a COVID-19 anointing and a pinky anointing. It's the anointing. The anointing is the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus, darkness flees. Whether it's a stub toe, whether it's cataracts of the eyes, see so many of those fall off, whether it's deaf ears, whatever it is, why would you be afraid? You respect all the guidelines and stuff we do, but why'd you, why would you live in your life in fear of COVID-19 if you know what the anointing is? Even if it slipped through, the anointing get rid of it. <laughs> I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. And once again, I honor the guidelines. I wear the mask where I need to wear the mask at. I social distance. Tell you what, I have become a professional hand washer. Man, I, we, we, we got three different kinds of soap at our sink. I just play, I just play musical soaps. I just go down, I just take turns using my different soaps to do what I want to do. What I'm saying is, I know what's going on. I honor all the natural things. But John 10.10, Jesus said there's a thief to come to steal, kill, destroy. He said he kept me to have life and that more abundantly. So I do the natural things. I go about my business of life. I am not purposely going to step into a, to a, to a, to a pit of rattlesnakes. If I know they're there, I'm going to stay away from the rattlesnakes pit. But then Jesus even said, we tread upon serpents and scorpions. If one got out and bit me, I know where the healing comes from. But I'm not going to play with them. I'm not going to play around with COVID-19. If it slipped through, I know where the healing comes from. I refuse to live in fear. Amen. And so, and so we're going to be looking at this John 17 a little bit, but I want you to hold your place. And I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2. I want to show you a passage that will absolutely deliver you from fear, especially if you've been held in bondage to fear of your life over COVID-19. Don't we come to church to get answers? Did Jesus say that the Bible is the truth? Did Jesus say that, that we're separated from the unbelieving world by the truth? He said, sanctify them by your word. He said, your word is truth. And, you know, I, I just keep thinking about what he said in verse 14. He said he's given us his word and the world hates us because of the word. They can't stand it if we don't cry like they cry over fear. They can't stand it. Will we give money to churches to preach the Gospels? They don't understand you bring the tithe to the storehouse to have meat in the house. They don't understand that God said, we support his missionaries in Philippians chapter 4, that he fills to the full your every need because you support his missionaries to get the truth out to the world. They don't understand that and they hate it when Christians give money to the Gospel. They hate it. You know why? Because they don't understand this world we live in. We live in God's world first, but we're temporarily for 70, 80, 90, 100 years, 120 years on this earth. And then eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever. But what we do on this side depends on if we go to that side. We get born again. And I see so much of the word of God about the works. We don't get saved by works. But we get born again and his spirit lives in our heart. We always want to do works. Why do it? Not to get saved, not to get points with God. 
Because God's the greatest gift giver there ever was. And when He lives in us, all we want to do is give. All we want to do is help. All we want to do is encourage. We love. Pastor Dave has a great series going to the love riot. Of, of, of doing good things. What's that riot stand for? Righteous invasion of truth. And so we want to do those good things and the world doesn't understand it. You know, the world lives by, I don't get mad, I get even. And I know the things I've been through in life, people have told, said things to me like this. You don't have enough sense to know what they're trying to do to you. And I say, yeah, I've got Bible sense. The Bible sense says, pray for those that persecute me. It says, pray for them and do good. It says, forgive seven times 70 in one day. That doesn't mean you stand around and say, keep knocking me down. I mean, man, if I walk around the block and every time I got to that corner, that bully was there to hit me again. There come a point in time, I said, I'm going to walk this other way. I'm not going there again. And so if you're around people that don't want to do anything, would absolutely smear you, slander you, unfollow them. You could unfollow somebody on Facebook and still love them. You quit going to their to their parties and still love them. You can still go to their hangouts and still you still love them. It just you don't want to go around and keep on getting knocked around, but you don't turn to hate. You love, you forgive. Amen. There's a difference between how we live and how the world lives. And so anyway, I want you to look at Hebrews two verse fourteen and fifteen. And in these verses right here, it says this. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that means us, we live in earth suits. He also himself likewise took part of the same Jesus came down from heaven to live in an earth suit. That he through death, Jesus through death, might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death. Deliver them who through fear of death. Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. They were slaves to the spirit of fear all their life because they were afraid of death. When I was growing up, my mom, I led her to Jesus before she died. My mom was the most fearful person I ever knew in my life. I did not like it when a thunderstorm came through Indianapolis. We had a basement, and it was an all right basement. It wasn't a built-in basement real nice. It was kind of dingy. But my mom was so afraid of tornadoes that as little kids, if it lightened and thundered, man, oh, come on, basement drill. Man, we was right down to the basement, had to stay in the basement till mom wasn't afraid anymore. We'd come back up. My mom read detective magazines all the time. She read about murder and horror stories of all those gruesome stories. My mom was so afraid, she'd take the kitchen knives and the way the woodwork was made, she'd drive all up and down the whole door covered in. She had all the locks on there, put knives in the woodwork thinking somebody tried to break in and kill us. That she had us protected. She was afraid somebody come in the basement through the coal chute. We had a coal chute for the coal, you know. And she had the knives on the basement door. She was so fearful of everything. My mom taught us to be afraid of dogs i got dogs now. I'm not afraid of them. And in Jesus' name, I love them. My wife was a dog. But what I'm saying is my mom was so afraid all the time. And when I got born again and saw this verse, I knew it was talking about mom. My mom was subject to bondage, fearful of everything in life. 
because she was afraid of death because she hadn't received Jesus yet to be delivered from that fear. And so the Lord showed me years ago, and this is for you that are afraid of COVID-19. You receive eternal life. You're delivered from the number one greatest fear that keeps you in bondage. When you receive eternal life, you're delivered from the fear of death. Now I want to say this then. There's difference between knowing something and putting it in action in your life. Jesus said, you know the truth, the truth will make you free. He said right here that the truth is you get delivered from the fear of death and you're no longer a slave to bondage. You're not in bondage anymore. And so, I know the truth of a lot of Bible verses. Psalms 91, 16, God says, of long life, He's going to satisfy me and show me a salvation. In Mark 16, verse 17 and 18, He said, lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, they shall recover. That's the truth. I'm free. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, He says, because you're a tither, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. What does COVID-19 do? Does it devour? Are you a tither? Do you know the truth? The truth makes you free. Amen. And so then, you know, I've heard people say it this way before. And I, I, I can see how you get help from this. If the devil takes you out, what's the worst could happen? Your body lays down before you want it to and you go to heaven. So what are you afraid about dying for? Don't want to die before my time. I want to go a long time. But it says that he delivered them who through fear of death were subject to bondage. So what are you afraid about? Why are you afraid? You got to go to the store, go to the store. You got to go to work, go to work. If something happens where they tell you 99% of the people on your job has COVID-19, don't go to the snake pit. Say, I think I was going to stay home for a while. If they tell you, hey, we just found out that Walmart or wherever your favorite store is, that they all got COVID-19 down there, shut off Walmart for a while. You don't go where it's at on purpose, but don't be afraid to go to work. Don't be afraid to go to the store. Don't be afraid to do the things that you need to do because you have the fear of death on you. Because if you're born again, you're delivering the fear of death. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. Amen. It says, because of the fear of death, all their lifetime, they're subject to bondage. All their lifetime. And, you know, I'll just throw in another thing that to me is Christianity 101. I learned as a baby Christian about Proverbs 18.21, death and the life's of the power of my tongue. I learned that. I learned Mark 11.23, I'll have whatsoever I saith. And so I just give you a little homework assignment to do a checkup from the neck up. Quit saying. That just scares me to death. If you can be scared to death, why can't you be faith to life? Well, I look at the Word of God, that just gives me faith to life. And then when something tries to come to me and say that, and tries to make me say, that just scares me to death, I said, no, I'm faith to life. The Word of God says. Amen. And, well, hey, how would you like, you want to go down to that uh, ball game with me? They're having a ball game down there. Oh, no, I'm too afraid. Second Timothy 1, 7, God's not give you the spirit of fear, but a power to love and a sound mind. I would never say I'm afraid to do that. 
Amen. All those words with fear, I only use fear when it comes to reading the Bible to get people delivered from fear. I only use fear when I quote 2 Timothy 1.7, God does not give me the spirit of fear. Well, if he hadn't given me the spirit of fear, what's he give me? Spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That's what he's given me. And I want to say it again. I respect all the things going on and what we're supposed to do to do right. But number one, the Bible is the truth that makes me free. Amen. So you see that right there, that that you've got to choose to walk in the light of what he said, that when you lift that number one fear is the fear of death, that all the other fears are just little tiny cousins. All the demon spirits try to make you afraid to do this, afraid to do that, and you can't do this because you're afraid. Man, there's little, little old nothing things trying to follow big cousin. Well, you've been delivered from big cousin. Amen. Don't go after the second cousins. The devil could never again use fear to manipulate you and control your life when you walk in the light of the Word of God. And so, instead of going into panic mode, turn to Psalms 91. I want to look at something else. But back in January of 1980, I got born again. And at that, I was a, I was a truck driver for lots and lots and lots of years. And in 1980, the route I had was downtown Indianapolis. Anybody heard of Indianapolis, Indiana? I was downtown Indianapolis. That was my, that was my truck run every day. Every day I had a 32 foot straight truck. I delivered all the offices and companies and business around the whole central Indiana, Indianapolis area there. But in the summer of night, probably about July, probably about this time of 1980, anybody ever hear of the American Legion? Okay, well, they had their, they had their national convention in Indianapolis where I was delivering at, the places I delivered to. And does anybody remember what happened in 1980? Legionnaire's disease? Well, I was a truck driver down there where that stuff was going out at, and the whole country went into a panic mode. It was national. They didn't have all the satellite TV, maybe international, but all of a sudden, this brand new respiratory ailment hit, and all those people at that Legionnaires Convention, I don't know how many were there, I don't know numbers, thousands probably, but anyway, they started dying by the dozens. They had some kind of a plague got on them at that convention, and they'd never seen anything like that before. They didn't know what to do. Call it Legionnaire. Has anybody ever heard of Legionnaire's disease? That's why it happened because of Indianapolis, summer of 1980. And so they got this respiratory ailment, and everybody wanted to crawl to a rock and hide because they thought this was going to spread around the nation, then around the world. This is going to take the world out. Legionnaire's disease. And of course, they found out where it came from, stuff like that. They got the cure and all that, all those kind of things. But the thing is, what I'm saying is this. I was a brand new, born-again Christian, sitting under the teacher of the Word of God. I was in that region where that was going on at. I had zero fear. Because of the things I'm looking at today. And so I know today, the same faith I got from the Word of God over that Legionnaire's business is the same faith that carries me through in peace over this COVID-19 business. And so I look at verses like this here in Psalms 91. We've talked, I've mentioned it a few times today. But I want you to look at verse 7 through 10. This is things that you've got to see as a believer. If you want to be different than the world, Jesus did say that 
the Word of God separates us from how the world believes to how we believe. Isn't that what he said? He said the Word separates us. He said we continue in the Word, we know the truth. He said the truth keeps us free. Here's the truth <clears throat> for people that, <clears throat> that choose to live for Jesus. A thousand shall fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it might happen to you. What's it say? Can you see this verse coming to pass? Are a thousand fall at our left hand, ten thousand at our right? <clears throat> Excuse me. But it shall not come nigh thee. Only with your eyes shall you watch the news and behold and see the reward of the wicked. And all those people that are getting died, they're not all wicked, okay? There's a lot of good people that are dying from that too. But the Bible says, only with their eyes shall behold and see the reward of the wicked. It says, because you have made the Lord, which is your refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. That means you choose to be a serious disciple of Jesus Christ. That, be, that means you don't just have a little Bible app on your telephone. That means you've got a Bible. You've got a notebook. And you don't just leave church on Sunday mornings or whenever you go to church. You don't just leave church and say, oh, I just feel so good. I like to go to church because it makes me feel good. Well, I live out in the desert and I work on a... I got a pistachio orchard, lots of stuff out there. And when I sweat out there and get all covered up with sweat, I take a shower. That makes me feel good. When you come to church, sit under the anointing and the word of God, that washes the grime of the world off you, makes you feel good. But then Jesus said, you got to continue in my word. So when you leave here, don't wait till the next two or three weeks from now before you come in and take another spiritual shower. If you're going to dwell in the secret place of the Most High... Know where your Bible is. Make some Bible time consistently as you can. You know, you can't put a bondage on people and say, Man, you ought to read your Bible for an hour every day. You might not have an hour every day. You might not be able to take a shower every day. But the thing is, you need to have a shower habit of washing sometimes. You need to have a Bible habit. Of getting with Jesus, the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that's using me right now that's in this church is the very same one that goes home with you. And on your break time on your job, if you got a little Bible or a little, little, little faith book, you can pull it out on the job and read it. In the doctor's office, you can read it. Wherever you are, just choose to dwell and make it your habitation close to God. And then verse 10, there's, uh, Verse 10, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague except COVID-19. Has anybody noticed the scientists call this a plague? Has anybody ever heard that on the news yet or read it, that they call this a plague? Well, God knew about it before they knew about it. You know, I just, I just, I just pray I'm getting through to somebody in here today because I'm really troubled. I'm really troubled about the amount of believers to let this thing destroy their life. Either you're going to believe the Bible or you're not. And if you're not, you're at the mercy of the world. And right now, I don't know about you, but I've noticed that the experts aren't really experts. 
You know, I heard a man just give a definition of expert one time. He said, he said in math, in an equation, X can mean anything. At a spurt, is a drop of water under pressure. So an expert is just a drip or a drop under pressure. And X changes its meaning every day. Put on the mask, take off the mask. Well, actually, if you wear, I've heard it said, you wear the mask, that increases your chances. And then they change it now. They say, wear the mask. And then they say, actually, people stand at home, get it more than once, don't stay at home. And then they say, the ones, actually, the least amounts in schools, they need to go to school. The other expert comes out, the drip under pressure says, oh, they shouldn't go to school. I'm going to go to Bible school. My Bible school is going to be my Bible with my Holy Spirit. Jesus said, John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit's the teacher. I'm going to go to my Bible school. And if my Holy Spirit at my Bible school says, stay away from Walmart, I'm going to go to Walmart for a while. If he tells me you need to quit doing this, I'm going to quit doing it. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit show me what to do, but I want to say this again so people don't take things out of context. Honor the God guidelines, do everything you know it's right to do, but don't live in fear of bondage. It says, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. And then the Bible teaches us over and over again, just as a plague called uh, blood cancer came near my dwelling two years ago, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God knocked that blood cancer out of my dwelling. Amen. Just like 99% blockage in my main heart artery came two years ago, the Holy Spirit healed that heart artery. So if that plague slips in, stay living for Jesus and knock it out the name of Jesus. You know, I really pray this is helping somebody not to be totally, totally consumed with fear. Amen. And so anyway, he said, this won't come nigh us. Amen. And so just I wasn't afraid of Legionnaire's disease. I'm not afraid of any of this kind of stuff. Let's just make a faith confession together. How many like to speak words out of your mouth and know what they work? Say this. Just close your eyes. Raise a hand up to God. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that I'm a born again child of God. I believe in Jesus. He's your son. He died for my sins. You raised him from the dead. My name's written. In the Lamb's book of life. When I take my last breath, I know my body will lay down. But my spirit will come out and be with you. You told me that no plague can come nigh my dwelling if I live close to you. Because I live close to you, I know I'm safe. Now open your eyes. Now we're going to talk to the devil. I don't close my eyes in reverence to the devil. I close my eyes in reverence to God. But I open my eyes and I look the devil right in the face and tell him this. Say this to me. Say Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given me the spirit of fear. According to what Jesus said in Hebrews chapter 2, fear is from the devil. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Satan, I've submitted to God at his word. 
I resist fear. Spirit of fear, stay away from me. Away from my family. In the name of Jesus. We don't fear you, devil. We fear God. We reverence God. We're submitted to God. And God said, you cannot put COVID-19 or any plague on my family. We are free in Jesus. We love Jesus. We serve Jesus. We believe Jesus. And we're not going to walk away from Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Now I want to finish this John 17 prayer because this is, this, this is the clincher now while you'll see why Jesus is praying this for us. John 17. Let's pick up at verse 18. This is a pretty good sermon. Something I got 20 minutes before I came, isn't it? You know, it pays to stay full, stay full of the Word of God, stay full of Jesus. Then he can, he, he can bring out of you whatever he wants to. Verse 20, he says, Neither pray I for these alone. He was praying with his disciples. They were watching. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. Let me ask you this then. How many of you believe on Jesus through his word? Well, guess what then? This prayer then tells me that for those people living in the 21st century, the year 2020, he said, I'm praying for you in 2020. Is that what he said? He said, I'm praying for you in 2020. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is praying for me. And Jesus is praying for you. And I'm going to be the answer. I'm going to be the answer to his prayer. Isn't that what it is? How many ever prayed, prayed for financial blessing and somebody put money in your hand? And he said, you're an answer to my prayer. Amen. Well, if Jesus is praying for people and then we do what he prayed, aren't we the answer? <clears throat> That's good preaching, Pastor. I never heard it that way before. I never did either. That's the first time I heard that. That was good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That was good. Okay. Neither pray I for these alone, for them also which shall believe on me through the word. Now look at this. He's telling us what he wants right now to take place in your life and in my life. He says that they all may be one. That means one in agreement, one accord, like the book of Acts. And that means in harmony. He wants us to be in agreement with Him. He wants us to be in harmony with Him. <clears throat> that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in them. That they also may be one in us. Now look at this. This next phrase tells you what's going on right now and what Jesus wants us to do about it. That the world may believe. Woo! That the world may believe. We believe. We used to be the world, but now we're the church. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. This whole thing talks about we're separated from the world by the word we believe. We're separated from the world because we believe the word over circumstances. We're separated from the world because he said, I'll protect you from plagues. 
We're separated from the world because he said, I don't want to take them out of the world. Keep them here. Just protect them from the evil. I remember when David got healed of leukemia. He's Pastor David now. I remember when little Davy boy, three and a half years old, he's not a little Davy boy anymore. The devil, when he was three and a half, gave him leukemia and made him crippled. And I was about the only believer in my family. But I remember one of them, one of my biggest persecutors, when that boy walked out of the hospital, when he was healed, one of them said to me, I believe you did get a miracle. I believe God did do something. At that point in time, they persecuted me because I went to church and said I was a Christian. But they became believer because they saw him got healed of leukemia. The world is watching you. If you are living in fear all the time, they don't have anything to watch. And I want to say it again. We're not talking about denial. We wear the mask. We do the social distancing. We wash our hands. We do all the things we know to do. But when we do that, we're rejoicing. We're singing. We're loving Jesus. We're having joy. We're not saying, when they say, oh, we're just scared to death, we're going to get that. We don't say we're scared to death, we're going to get that. Oh, I couldn't do that. I'm just so fearful. We don't say that. You say, well, we love Jesus. We serve Jesus. We're not scared of that. But then even if it got on me, my Jesus would take it off of me. Amen. He says that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus is saying that he wants us to agree with his word like he agrees with God when God spoke. Jesus always said, I only say what the Father tells me. I only speak what the Father says. We need to only say what the Word says. We need to only speak what the Word says. And then Jesus said, <clears throat> we'll be one with them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then it says in verse 23, here's the closer. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect or complete in one. And here it is again, that the world may know, that the world may know. The world knows a lot right now, but they don't know the truth. The world knows a lot right now, but they don't know Jesus. That the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. That's what he's saying right here in his prayer in the end times. He wants the world to see us, and when they see us living in line with the Word of God, believing the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, and the results of the Word of God manifested in our lives, says, then the world's going to know that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that Jesus is the answer to everything. Can I I give you a little Pastor Samples nugget that I live by I learned over 40 years ago, do you know all these religions in the world all talk about God? But you know they all think God's somebody different. They don't think about our God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. All these different religions are across America now. 
They all pray to their God. You need to start speaking the name of Jesus. When you speak the name of Jesus, you're letting them know we're not talking to Allah. We're not talking to Buddha. We're not talking to whoever else it is they might be talking about. When we tell people, you need to go to church and hear about Jesus. You need to tell people, you need to pray to Jesus. You need to tell people, Jesus healed me. You know, we know God's the one that did it. But if you talk to somebody that's a disbeliever in our God, but they believe in their God, they're going to give credit to somebody else and not to Jesus. Start being bold to use the name of Jesus. Anyway, if you're serious about God's word and live free from fear, fear people that don't work, don't, don't, that, that don't uh, understand who you are because of the word, they're going to see how you live and then they're going to know who Jesus is. So, just want to leave that with you, that Jesus already prayed and is praying today and he's praying for us to be serious Word Christians. Let the Word of God be our basis for our faith no matter what we deal with. And then the world's going to see what happens in our lives. And according to what Jesus prayed, that the world may see, that the world may know because of how you Christians live. This is a great time. This is a great time. Darkness is out there. We're the light. Let your light shine. Don't live in fear. Say no to fear, but yes to Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.